Podcast, the weekly show that four out of five doctors call definitely a podcast. That fifth doctor, Dr. Fauci, of course, classic Fauci, and now the only audio hosts to be clinically diagnosed with chronic microphone technique deficiency, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. We are the two girls. And if you want to know who we are, (laughs) guys, I've said this intro so many times. (laughs) But if you don't know who we are, Allie and I, we are performers. We had a live comedy show where we use the internet as our script. We had a web series called Two Girls, One Show. You can find that on Hoo-Ha-Ha. We interviewed people behind internet posts, went on scripted adventures, Everything's about the internet for us. And, uh, you know, now we're here with Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot and our producer, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. We're talking to people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. We're happy that you're here. Today's topic is hyper relevant. Um, Even though it's online, it is most certainly very real for all of us (laughs) in the world today. Allie. I haven't even asked how you how you're doing, but let's just say, what are we good. covering today? Are you good? Good. Okay, good. What are we covering today? <laughs> we are covering COVID long haulers. So this is something that wasn't really acknowledged till pretty recently, but it's that COVID isn't just you know even if you survive and you're even if you're not if it's pretty mild for you, it's not just a two week thing. There are people that are suffering from COVID for months and months and months who are on disability. It's it's like fucking crazy. And we found out that there are Facebook groups popping up to help people deal with this, especially as the medical establishment doesn't quite know yet. That's right. So we're speaking with the creator and admin of the COVID-19 Long Haulers Facebook group. Um, just, you know, it's to tell you a little bit about that group, it says, you know, there are many people who have suffered over 100 days of debilitating symptoms. There are children, young adults, mothers and fathers who share one thing. They were very different before COVID. So we'll be, we, you know, we have tons of questions for our guest today, Michelle, and we'll get there shortly. But I do want to tell our listeners, you know what? When I say shit about COVID at this point, I click out. I can't. I. It's just everywhere. I'm done with it. The mm-hmm. media is just obsessed. Um, we're going to not exactly cover COVID. We're going to focus on the community these people have formed. And so we hope you'll stick around. On the people, you might say, on is the focus. On the humans. Humans. <laughs> internet humans. That's right. Allie, do you want to share your story from this week or no? What's my story from this week? That you drove ten, <laughs> 10 hours to maybe. Oh, I'm no. in Utah. You're okay. Yeah, Allie's in Utah. Story. <laughs> okay. I'm in Utah. But I there was a COVID. 10 hours. There was a COVID connection, right? No. Oh. No? Oh, you no. Are... It's all good. It's all good. I arrived, okay. I arrived here and my friends got a call that someone he saw last week tested positive. And I was like, well. Marty here and exposed if you're exposed, but he got his results back today and he tested negative. So I think we're all good. That's good. so great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I was oh. like, what story? I don't know. I mean, I'm in yeah. Utah. It's really, yeah. uh, I'm enjoying just like visiting winter. Like it's cute. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's like, kind of snowy, but like, I'm going to go home to the beach. How winter is it? It's snowing. I'm going to go skiing oh, this nice. weekend. I think. All right. That's fantastic. It's like That's actively fun. snowing and I will return home to the beach. 
Wow. But it's crazy. 10 hours, 10 hours in the car. It's a long time. It's a long time. But also in COVID, you're like, this is something to do. (laughs) You might even call it a long haul. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. On that note, let's just get into the trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're a loopy today. (laughs) I couldn't make today's trivia about COVID because A, that's depressing, and B, uh, we clearly don't know shit about this disease. So uh, I'm making the trivia about a different kind of long haulers. That's right, the American trucker. (laughs) Great, love it. Oh, uh, yeah, I love it I know you're big fans. We're going to play a lightning round where I give you... A little tidbit of CB radio slang. Uh, (laughs) These are the radios that truckers use to communicate, uh, especially in the old days. I think they're probably starting to be replaced by internet devices. I could be wrong, but I'm sure this culture still exists. I'm going to give you these slang terms, a bunch of them, uh, with two choices each. Whoever identifies the most correct slang terms is the winner of today's trivia. Are you ready? Roger that. That's the only one I know. (laughs) Excellent. All right. First one. A mud duck. Mud duck. Is that a CB user who keeps talking despite a very weak radio signal? Or is it a cup of very strong coffee? Cup of coffee. Yeah, mud duck is coffee. Okay. Jen and Allie go with coffee. Um, Should I reveal the correct answers as we go? Yes, or please. save them for the end. Yes. Okay. Mud Duck is a CB user who has a weak signal, but oh, keeps man. yammering on and just oh, creating that's... noise for everybody. So yeah, you well, guys Jen both and got I are wrong. using it for coffee now, so in a that's way, right. we're right. I, I like that. I want a Mud Duck. <laughs> Number two, a lot lizard. Lot lizard. <laughs> is it a customs enforcement officer who intercepts truckers at truck stop parking lots or a prostitute? Who primarily works in truck stop parking lots. It's a prostitute. <laughs> I think I knew that before you even said the response. I also want it to be prostitute. You are both correct. <laughs> That's one point, one point for each. <laughs> I gotta keep score here. Next term, job town. Is job town Clinton, New Jersey or St. Louis, Missouri? I feel like I need more context or something. Uh, I'll just go with Clinton, New Jersey. Why not? I was also thinking New Jersey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it too. New Jersey. I'm doing it. I'm, okay. I'm not even fucking go, diversifying. Go, go, <laughs> go with Clinton. No, don't diversify. You're competing. You got to get the most right answers, and you are both right. You both have two points. Here's the next CB radio term. Ten ten. I should have been doing my trucker voice. Ten ten. <laughs> was that a what southern that? accent? <laughs> what is that code? Ten ten means. The driver will cease broadcasting, but continue to listen on the channel. Or does it mean the driver is heading to a restroom break? Restroom break. Cease broadcasting. The correct answer is cease broadcasting. That's a point for Jen. Ooh, Jen's Uh, winning. Jen's pulling ahead. That's right. In my big old truck. All right. (laughs) Three to two. Uh, okay, I've got two more for you. So Allie still has a chance to tie it up and and uh, pull ahead. Full-grown bear. What is a full-grown bear? Is it a state police trooper or an 18-wheeler truck? 18-wheeler truck. Uh, I think 18-wheeler. You are both wrong. It is a state <laughs> trooper. Damn. 
I learned in in figuring all this stuff out that bears are cops, I believe. Also, pigs are cops, but bears, different versions of bears are are different police officers. So full-grown bear is like a state trooper, don't mess with him. But like a bear cub or a mama bear or a papa bear, those are like local law enforcement or whatever. And they're always, they're pinging like, oh, I got a full-grown bear 20 miles up here. So, you know, slow down. Jen or whatever, had a full-grown bear in her backyard during COVID. An That's actual right. full-grown bear. I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jen is still in the lead, three to two. And this is the final question. So... Allie can only tie it up. Unfortunately, she cannot win, but we could result in what a tie or a landslide. Nothing! <laughs> what is a pregnant roller skate? <laughs> what? Is it an armored bank vehicle, like the, the armored cars that carry money, or is it a Volkswagen Beetle? Gonna go with the Beetle. I also want to go with the beetle, but I'm going to go with the other because I just feel like that's maybe what I should do. The correct answer is a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, damn. That means Jen is the winner for she wins points to, to Allie's two. Matt, can yeah, you get a, I'll can, get you a mug duck. Can you get a horn uh, sound effect in here? Just going to honk, yeah, honk down the highway. Yeah, I should have queued that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll add it in later. Thank you very much. 10-4. 10-4, Roger. Over. Roger, Roger. Lot lizards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you knew that. Yeah, what the heck? How did I know that? Yeah, that was how exciting. Did you, you know that? How did you know? Somewhere in my brain. I feel, I, I don't know. Somewhere in my brain. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You'll be shocked to know that um, a lot of trucker slang, not that progressive yeah, or inclusive. Like yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're going to take a break and we will be right back. To belittle the long hauls of those who haul long, but we would like to thank those who are with us for the long haul. On our Patreon at the $10 level or more. Um, so thank you so, so much. Sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, to Chris Harrison, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Melissa Elliott, James Dozier, Deborah Duberpants, Kathy Phillips, William, and Matthew Scott. We appreciate you. We see you. We hope you'll stay with us for an even longer haul. <laughs> and we hope you don't get COVID. Yes. <laughs> and now a real post entitled Harassment Cat from the internet's only safe space to talk freely about cats. Next door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. <laughs> For the past three weeks, a cat has been following me on my daily walks. I'm worried that the owner may have trained the cat to follow people and rob them when they get home. Cats are assholes. Yeah, they really are. You know what else is an asshole? COVID. Let's talk <laughs> to our guest. <laughs> Quickest transition ever. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, everyone, the creator and admin of the COVID-19 Long Haulers Facebook group, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So happy to have you here. We hear you've had a rough couple months, so it's nice that you decided to join us. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like it's its own little blessing and gift that I'm even here today. So yes. Well, we would love to avoid talking about what everybody already knows about COVID and really focus on the communities that are um, kind of helping long haulers cope, such as yours. Um, so can you start by telling our listeners who long haulers are? Yeah, of course. So everybody knows about COVID-19. That is no surprise to anybody. We're very aware of it. Um, one could, of- you, could we clarify? Because I had not heard anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. Sit down, Matt. Okay. Well, let me start by saying it's not the flu. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is it caused by 5G. Got it. That's right. Or a lack of vitamin D. Okay. So my vitamin D uh, levels were great before. I love that vitamin D. Got I know. Get Keep taking it. Can. Keep pushing it. <laughs> Uh, so one of the um, the things that have come out of COVID that the medical community is just now really starting to embrace and understanding some of your listeners might have seen stories recently is the um, long haulers COVID or long COVID is what we call it, which is symptoms that persist for months past your acute infection. So you're no longer, you've, you've gone over your first acute infection, you're no longer contagious, um, you've survived, and yet there's these debilitating symptoms that occur months afterwards um, that affect every organ in your body. And there's no currently no understanding of why they're trying to figure that out. And there's currently no treatment to it. So um, we tend to be women, 75% of us are women, and we tend to be younger. We were never hospitalized. We're ages 30 to 50, typically. Although my daughter was nine when she caught COVID. She's 10 now, and she's a long hauler as well. So it can affect anybody at any age, but um, not a lot of understanding about the whys of it. We are just now finally happy to have it recognized. Like the CDC just last month recognized this as a very real thing. Before that, did people just think you were whiny? Yeah, I mean, before that, it was it was interesting because we knew we had these symptoms and we knew we weren't well. We had tachycardia and resting heart rates of, of over 140. Um, our blood pressures would swing. Mine dropped 60 points within five minutes and I ended up in the ER. And this was two months past my original infection. But we didn't, the medical community really didn't understand it. It wasn't talked about. And so we were really dismissed. Like when I went to the ER, I said, I'm sure this is related to the COVID infection because I've just not been right since COVID. And they're like, ah, it's dehydration. Let's check your levels. And they checked my levels and they're like, well, you're not dehydrated, but we're giving you an IV and we're sending you home and, you know, peace, love, good luck. And um, it's just kind of been that way. We've had doctors that diagnosed us with anxiety and they want to put you on anti-anxiety medication. But, you, you know, it's not really their fault because they don't know either. But in the beginning, we were heavily dismissed because I got sick in March. So I'm a first waiver. And um, it, it was just a relief to see that the doctors and the medical community and university groups have finally acknowledged this and are taking it seriously and now are developing care clinics for us. because. 90% of us have not been able to go back to work full time. And when you're talking about that 30 to 50 year old demographic, those are your career years. And so um, it's been detrimental 
to our family finances. And they know now it's such a large problem. They estimate between 10 to 30% of people who were infected with COVID will become long haulers. I mean, when you're talking about millions of people getting sick and that percentage group not being able to work, that's going to be an, a problem for the economy and for medical fields as well. I wish Trump had been a long hauler and wasn't able to work. Oh, you know what? This is bad. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but I was kind of crossing my fingers that Melania was actually a long hauler. I like when she didn't come out for a couple of weeks, we were all in the community like, I bet you she's a long hauler. She fits the demographics. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, just to get some attention, we were just so desperate to have somebody recognize this as, as get right. some funding and stuff well, behind to, it. So. To be clear, to be fair, Trump has not worked very much since. That's true. Uh, he hasn't COVID. been working I heard for a long time. Since, so, yeah. yeah, it looks like yeah, he actually but, got COVID in 2016. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's any different from before exactly. <laughs> right, right. It's interesting, though, because um, what I've what I think seems to be out there is that men tend to get COVID worse. But I didn't realize that more women are long haulers, which is an interesting distinction. Yeah, that's been my observation as well. When men get it, they tend to be the ones that end up in the hospital with the severe infections. Um, women tend to be the long haulers that just have a really long recovery. So what you're saying is that the women have to work twice as hard for the same position? Is that not? <laughs> um, I, that was a stretch, but I tried. I tried. Okay, so uh, try to keep it light, guys, talking about COVID today. All right, so, you know, um, I think, as Jen mentioned, we'd love to try to avoid, you know, talking too much about COVID, although I know that kind of makes no sense in this context, but we'd love to hear... When did you start turning to the internet for help? So when I was sick in March and, you know, we had felt like we had hit past our acute infection. And then my, both my daughter and I started experiencing symptoms about two weeks after our recovery, these post symptoms. You know, we had gone the traditional route and made the doctor's appointments and things like that. My daughter was actually at Randall's Children's Hospital because her kidneys had been impacted by COVID. And they didn't have answers and just we got kind of the response that well sometimes viruses take their time so just rest and try to get better and then probably in may so about two months later after we had both been hospitalized with these post symptoms i'm like i've got to see if there are others experiencing this I, this is just a weird phenomenon because we had been both extremely healthy like my daughter had never even been on an antibiotic um, and you know up until she hit covid so I started researching and I found this tiny little group. There was only 200 people in it and they were talking about these long haul COVID symptoms. And it was like reading the recipe book for my own symptoms. And I just felt, oh my gosh, there are others, you know, and we were so early on in the infection, um, you know, in the whole COVID pandemic that it was, it was hard to get information. So we kind of globbed on to each other. And we would share what we're going through and our what's happening at the doctor's offices and how we were being dismissed. And we were just feeling so crummy and all our weirdo symptoms because there are over 80 different long haul symptoms that you can experience. Mm -hmm. After that, I was like, you know, this is a 
private page, which was good. So we could share all of our really weird symptoms that you probably don't want to hear about anyways. It's like the crazy aunt that tells you everything that's going on with her and you just avoid her. That I don't was know. Like Sometimes us. those stories are really good, though. You know? Yeah. yeah. For us, they <laughs> definitely were because they were reaffirming that we weren't crazy or that our bodies are just wackadoo. And so... um that was awesome, but it was all private. And I was sitting here thinking as a teacher and an educator, people need to know that, they're, that this is something that can happen to them if they get COVID because there was this real idea then that you either got it and you were fine or you end up hospitalized and then had a chance of dying. And there was no mm-hmm. in-between. And what we had found is there's this whole continuum of symptoms and recovery that happened in between. And nobody was talking about it and nobody knew. And these were healthy people in their 20s and their 30s and yoga teachers and, you know, marathon runners. And it was just amazing to me. So that's when I created the COVID-19 long hauler awareness and education page because I could make that page uh, public. And so we could start sharing our stories. The original community, the 200 person one, was that also on Facebook? It is. Yeah. And it still continues to be on Facebook. And quickly, very quickly, within about a month, they hit 5,000 members. And then they had to open up a second page that then has subsequently hit 5,000 members. And they have a third page now. So how large is your group? And do you have any ideas sort of how large this community is as a whole? My group is I have a um, a little over 10,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are long haulers themselves. And then a few are family members of long haulers that are looking for answers and just want to share information. You know, you talk about 6 million people being infected. If you have just the low end of the the thought that it's 10%, you know, that's a lot of people that could be infected. And it's funny, you know, it, we find people come on, here we are in December, and I'm still getting people that come on and say, oh my gosh, I was so sick in April. I didn't know if it was COVID because we didn't have testing, but I have not been well and I've had all these experiences and all these symptoms and my hair is falling out and I have these rashes and all this. And I just now found your group. And I, it's amazing because I thought I was going crazy because the doctors couldn't explain it. we I didn't know what was going on and just to know that there are others out there. So I think there's a large percentage of the population that probably don't even know that they're long haulers. They're just experiencing weird symptoms and they think something's wrong with their health or it's stress or it's whatever. But in reality, they're long haulers. I mean, I have a friend who has a 17-year-old son that's have a, has a, had a fever for over 250 days, and she's ran the course of everything it could possibly be under the sun and um, can't find anything. And I said, you know, it's a chance that he had COVID in March back when we did, and he's a long hauler because my daughter still runs fevers, and we're over 250 days past an um, acute infection. So she's finally getting some treatment and stuff and getting in with a group that's trying to address the long haul symptoms. And are you finding that medical professionals are also joining the group just to learn more? Yeah. So that's kind of a funny thing in our community. It's a little bit controversial, like in our private groups where we share all our symptoms. 
the medical community was not initially allowed. They opened up a separate page for them to be able to come in and people could share their symptoms and things like that so that the medical community understood what was going on. But that was not as popular as just hanging out with others that were going through what you were going through. So there's this part of the group that really wants to open our private group up to those medical professionals. And then there's another part of the group that doesn't. It's an interesting dynamic that give and take. But I will say that our group is really good at if somebody wants to upload a survey and put in symptom trackers and things like that, they're really good at participating in those things. But for whatever reason, it's controversial to allow them kind of into our own private group. I think that's interesting, right? Because people probably feel very failed by the medical community, you know, telling them that it wasn't COVID or that they have anxiety or this or that. And so now there's probably this, it sounds like maybe people are really hesitant to let them in because of that. I don't know if that resonates. That is definitely a huge part of it. I think the majority of us, I would say 90% of us feel really failed by the medical community and to the point where it felt like gaslighting. I mean, we've had doctors say that, you know, it's all in your head and you just need to go home and I don't want to see you anymore because there's nothing I can do for you. You know, when you are, when you're you're desperate for answers and you don't know where to turn, it's it's your doctor, right? That's who you go to when you have your medical problems. And, And you want at least for them to say, I don't understand it. We're still learning about it. It's a novel virus, but I believe you. Right. And that just didn't happen generally. And I don't understand why it's it's a big failing of our medical field. And I hope it's a lesson that they learn out of this. Um, but- I find that the medical community, like if you don't fit into the box that they learned, they're just completely unable to think outside of the box. Absolutely. I mean, the majority of us, especially as the ones early on, we went to alternative medicine because we were just not getting any help from traditional medicine in any way, shape or form. And at least alternative medicine said, we're going to try stuff because I believe you. I don't know if it's going to work, but we're going to try. And we were happy with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so fascinating because there's a whole whole can of worms there with how that's led to the rise of alternative medicine in both good and bad ways. Um, But anyway, Jen, were you about to ask something? Yeah. Um, Have you been able to crowdsource some ideas for managing some of these symptoms altogether in this group, even when medical professionals aren't necessarily helping with that? Yeah, it's it's interesting because we often get to what the medical field is starting to figure out. We were there months ago and it's it's hilarious. So we just go, "Uh, duh, we could have told you that like three months (laughs) ago. Um, But what we have found is a lot of us experience kind of like mast cell activation syndromes. So we are, it seems like we're really sensitive now histamine-wise to certain foods and, and things like that. So we've adopted like a low histamine diet that has helped a lot of people and then take like a daily antihistamine and that's helped tone down some of those symptoms. And then we have lists of supplements that have helped, but we, we do use that echo chamber to be able to tell each other what's worked well and what hasn't. And we know for sure pacing is huge with this recovery. Anytime that you overdo it or you get overstressed, you just slam back down. We call them relapses because it's it's the corona coaster that this trajectory of, of healing is not like an arc 
right? I mean, when you typically get sick, you think you feel pretty crummy, but then over time you get better, better, better day after day. That is not the case with this recovery. It's peaks and valleys. So you think that you're, you're, you're there, you're on your way. And then eight months in, like eight months tend to be pretty typical for all a lot of us, we had like a serious relapse where we all thought we were actually reinfected again, because it was so bad. You know, it's, it's like, why, why eight months in do we have this experience going on? So just being able to know that those things are coming too has been really helpful. And I feel like saved me at least a lot of money in emergency room visits, because these are typically things that you're like, okay, I'm going to the emergency room, I this isn't well, and it's like, no, others that were a month ahead of me had the same experience, and they got through it in a week. So I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's both. It's both. But it's and both. thank you for bringing Corona Coaster to my attention, which is a beautiful portmanteau. I'm into it. Yeah. So wild. Wait, a, a quick question. Are there members of the community who are long haulers and medical professionals that can speak to um, what's being done? You know, is, is there that overlap? Absolutely. I, I would say that it's probably... Of professions, that's the highest infected group is nurses and doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the reason why this has even gotten the attention it's gotten in um, and being able to the medical field to be able to look at it is because we do have so many doctors and nurses. I mean, we have one of the top rated infectious disease experts in the world. He's in England and he got infected in March and he was a long hauler. And, you know, he's like, I've had dengue fever and, you know, these other viruses. And there has never been a recovery period like this one. He, he, it just floored him. But he was, you know, out there early, kind of beating the drum of awareness to get people to understand it. And um, what's interesting about nurses and things that get infected, they experience the same thing we do. There's no special treatment in their, in their field because they were a nurse. A lot of the times they got misdiagnosed by their doctors or they weren't believed and so on and so forth. So they're having a very much the same experience and they're trying, they're, you know, they're, they're in the medical field. So they try all the things that they know up their sleeve and nothing's working. And they're very clear and honest about that. You've already answered this a bit, but we'd love to hear any more stories you have around how the group has, how the members have supported each other, both medically and emotionally. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, medically, it's guess and check, right? You know, we don't do anything that's um, dangerous. We take supplements that are at recommended levels and, and things like that. So, and we just do, it's a shotgun approach, right? You, you try a bunch of stuff, you follow each other's stories, you hear what works well for them and you incorporate it into yours. Um, so that's one aspect of it, the, the treatment plans and what works for others and what doesn't. Another piece is the, is the emotional piece. And that's been huge because unless you're really going through this, it's, it's really hard to understand it. And um, there's been several divorces, husbands or wives that have left their spouse because they're eight months in and they're still so tired and they don't have the quality of life that they had before. Um, you know, five-year-olds that say things like, 
I just want my mommy back. That's really hard for people. So to have a group that they can come to and say, this is what's going on. And I'm so tired and I just am frustrated and I can't get anywhere with my healing and I want my life back. Um, Having that group to say, it's okay. One more day. It's see, I'm getting like all emotional about it. Yeah. I know this is the saddest story we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I no, believe you. Don't focus. <laughs> at least I'll be known for something. <laughs> hey, at least you're helping others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where we find our strength. You know, like I like to remind people you, the story that you go through, your cover you go through, is going to be somebody else's guide in the future. Right. So the marchers that we call ourselves the first first waivers, it, we are there now. And as these, you know, people that got sick in June and July are popping up and going, my symptoms, oh, man, I can't, this won't go away. And I'm losing my hair and what worked and things like that. Well, we have data for them and we can let them know it's OK. Your hair is going to grow back. It's going to take a few months, but your hair is going to grow back. But watch these things. Go get your blood tested and see if you have blood clots because the D-dimer test is really important in our community to check for those blood clots because we've had people, you know, four months on that have had sudden heart attacks and they were young and healthy before then and they had blood clots. And those are the stories that we can bring and help others who are just now experiencing this. My mind is being blown apart here as I'm sure our audience is too, because when you have a medical issue, the first rule is do not go on the internet. But here, what you guys are doing, because medicine doesn't know shit about this virus, and you, the, the online community, are the only people with knowledge well, and I the only way to share WebMD knowledge. for this. You know? No, no, not WebMD, <laughs> but like you're, you're filling this gap in a really powerful, important way that goes that flies in the face of everything we typically think about when we think about medicine and and internet and uh it's truly uh special yeah i i really couldn't imagine this journey without these groups i mean i don't know what that would look like to go to the doctors have all these symptoms to not be believed to be isolated it, you know that talk about soul crushing yeah. that would definitely yeah. be the case it really is a gift. I mean, sometimes you get, this is bad, but sometimes you get so frustrated because you'll see new people on and they're, you know, it's something really superficial and, and you're like, Oh, don't worry about that. You know, worry about the tachycardia or the blood pressure or you that the vertigo that comes with this, that's coming down the way. And you're trying not to be cynical, you know, like you're trying to be (laughs) supportive, but there's a little of, of that. You mean, because yeah, because the, the symptoms can vary so widely and then some people are so upset about these tiny ones. Yeah, they can vary yeah. so widely. And, you know, there's people facing really big health crisis or they're like, I've I've been sick for um, for 20 days. Will this ever end? And you're just like sitting here at reaching, you know, going towards 300 like, days. Going, <laughs> Seriously, <20 days. laughs> that's adorable. 
trouble. I know, right? <laughs> so that's a little like shallow human aspect of it, but that's keeping it real. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. We appreciate that. Um, have long haulers formed local networks that you know of supporting each other? I don't think so. I think it's much more more global. We have people from Australia and England and East Coast and West Coast in our group. So funny that it, that that you've become that leader because of this internet group. Really. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. It's because you can see what's coming because you see it on a broader scale across the world or, you know, with that platform. So Michelle, we know the media can be uh, pretty alarmist and clickbaity. And it seems like the same facts are regurgitated constantly regarding coronavirus. So in your opinion, what do you think the media gets right about its COVID coverage? And what seems as a long hauler to be missing from the conversation? I think what they they get right is that I think they're good at reporting the numbers of hospitalizations, um, the number of deaths. I think we're dramatically underestimating the number of infected. When you have up to 40% of people who are asymptomatic, they're not going out there and getting the tests done. Um, I don't know what it's like in your state, but our state contract tracing is a joke. Where are you based? Oh, Oregon. Okay, yeah. In Oregon. Uh, yeah. We have very limited contract contact tracing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that we don't have a really good idea of how much of the population has COVID or has had COVID. You know, they're, they're, they're good at uh, reporting the symptoms, although that's slow and growing too. When I was sick in March, GI issues weren't even on the list. And that was my first and biggest symptom. And now, of course, it is. And so all that comes really slowly with time. And they are just now wrapping their brains around long haulers and what it means. So that some news stories are getting out there. NBC just did a good story on it. But you know, here we are, nine months later from when it was in our communities or more. And that message is just now getting out there. So and it's, it's not as, as large as it should be, because I really do think people have this false sense of security. I think if you think that you're 20 or 30 or 40 years old, you, you know, you'll risk it because you're not going to die from it. But nobody's talking to you about the very high, because I think 10 to 30 percent is a really high percentage that you could have these symptoms, these debilitating symptoms for many months. So I wish they would do a better job at that, showing the continuum of the illness. Mm -hmm. As we wrap up today, Michelle, what would you like our listeners to take away from this more than anything else? More than anything, I would love them to get that message that it is not you survive it and all is well, or you die. That there really is this whole broad spectrum and it can impact your life financially, physically, your relationships. And so just to be aware that this virus is real, this virus has real consequences, including for young people, and to be conscious of that and do their part to prevent its spread. So wearing those masks, social distancing, not gathering for the holidays. Those are all really important pieces. The vaccines are here. They're coming. 
the end is in sight. We're going to get through this. So just do that last big push to be really careful. Get through these last couple of months and we can save a lot of lives and a lot of torture because this is torture. We've had people that have had cancer and they said that this is a way worse journey than cancer. I cannot underscore how horrible it is to be a long hauler and to remind them that we still don't have any idea of when it will end or how to treat it. So this may be your life if you're not careful. How can we direct long haulers to your group? Uh, So on Facebook, it's COVID-19 Long Haulers Awareness and Education. They should be able to Google that. It's at COVID Recovery Stories. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today um, and share information that we really were not aware of. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for giving us a platform to get more information and education out there. Really appreciate it. It's really incredible how this group is at the forefront of sort of understanding. Well, you know, I I don't know other research that's being done and everything, obviously, but like, yeah, the people in this internet community could be used to like test these kinds of symptoms or it's like such, it's so amazing that they've come together as a community. It's like such a wealth of of knowledge for us mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. <laughs> about what it's like. Yeah. Because yeah, even if that research is being done, it's not accessible to people. And well, the, right. so then you have primary sources who are saying, Hey, here's yeah. what's up. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice. Cause it goes back to kind of the roots of this podcast, which is when the internet was kind of a kinder place, I think. Um, mm. Yeah. Although I guess the internet has always had both sides of that coin. Yeah. As we learned in our 4chan episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's really nice that they have that resource. And I hope that our listeners who are perhaps long haulers will be able to go join that group and figure out how to manage their symptoms. Um, and uh, yeah, hope we don't get COVID. That's my big takeaway. Like In addition to Michelle's amazing story and sharing the stories of others in this group, the, the, the big freaking mind-blowing takeaway is like it's so much worse than you think like it's so bad covid is so fucking bad Three hundred thousand people dead in our country alone but like so many people are asymptomatic so many people are spreading it without knowing and affecting people for the rest of their lives or what we currently understand to be a very long time medically and it's just reaffirming this like no no we we have to be super safe no matter what, even if you think grandma does didn't get it or doesn't have it, or you think you can do holidays or not like j- just, you should not do that. You should just be home mm-hmm. if you can. Well, it's just you know? crazy that it's such a wide spectrum where some people are completely asymptomatic. Yeah. Some people die and some people have, are going on nine months now of unexplainable, uh, symptoms. I mean, that. I mean, unexplainable. Yes, it's from COVID, but you know that they're yeah. that it's affecting. Like, I didn't know about hair loss. No. Right. And I'm pretty narcissistic about my hair, you guys. <laughs> like kids that with just fevers, sucks. Yeah. kids with fevers for, for, for months and months. Days? Like, yeah, no, it's crazy. God, we gotta, we we have to do better as a as a society to protect each other. It was was my big scary you know, anxious takeaway from this thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I I just think COVID, I mean, as we all know, has exposed the flaws of America that were already there. But like our society has turned too individualistic. And and this just I mean, the list, there's so many issues. We can't even go down that wormhole. But uh, yeah, it's problems. So everybody uh, stay safe. Don't go to those COVID parties. Um, COVID parties. (laughs) Which are real. Advertised as such. (laughs) You know, people trying to catch it or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. Please. Uh, Yeah. Some people, yeah, it's fascinating. Some people still don't even think it's real. Yeah. Yeah. well, and also if you are asymptomatic, I think it's like a natural human thing to not like fully register how it affects people yeah. so differently. Yeah. You're probably like, what's the big deal? Even though you know uh-huh. some people could die, you would never think that somebody for months could have a fever. Or so, you know, just in yeah. the financial repercussions and everything that Michelle yeah. I just can't about. imagine yeah. how infuriating it is to go to the doctor and have them like gaslight you. I, I know from like my own comparatively minor experience with insomnia how yeah. that made me not minor. That's a debilitating huge. Like, yeah, I wanted, yeah. I wanted to murder people, so I but can't like even imagine. Said, we don't. Like, you have you have said that it talked about the insomnia on the show and with us, and unfortunately, medicine does not know very much about it to, to treat it effectively. Especially in your case, we clearly don't know very much about COVID and haven't for months. So just fucking say. We don't know. Right, right. We're a going lot of it to really like, like gave me a little PTSD from my insomnia. I was yeah. like, yep, yep, gaslit. They told me I was crazy. They told me it was in my head. They told me it was something else. They told me this. They told me that. That you know, rather than just saying like, we really don't understand it. Yeah, it's okay to not know something if you're a doctor. You have and just have uh, you know, what's what's that word? Compassion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't like shared with listeners who are interested like how I've hopefully solved it. But the funny thing is, it was through Facebook. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't. Oh, actually, I did know that. I did. Know. Somebody reached yeah. out to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we should go into it now, but um, yeah, a really short version is I posted on Facebook. You know, when when I was losing my mind, like, hey, I'm looking for weird fucking hacks. Like, if you comment melatonin or chamomile tea, I will come after you in the night because I will be awake. <laughs> uh, so I was asking for like really unorthodox ideas. And this girl reached out who I hadn't spoken to in like 20 years through Facebook wow. Messenger and said, my insomnia sounded exactly like yours where I'd fall asleep right away, wake up four hours later, otherwise feel fine, didn't, weren't other issues in my life. And, you know, doctors told me I was crazy and I tried meditation, um, hypnosis, Ambien, Trazodone, like she had tried like, you know, fucking everything. And then she told me what she was doing which is what I've been doing for eight months and I'm sleeping. Well, I guess I I should tell people it's not really like accepted yet as a treatment, but there's a lot of research that um, basically if you're a severe insomniac, that there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, which makes a lot of sense to me because I felt like there was something wrong in my brain. Like it just didn't make sense that I would be dreaming and then awake. What? Yeah, yeah. For many reasons. There's plenty of problems in my brain, but that's also what makes me so (laughs) delightful. Uh, So, yeah, so basically I'm on like an extremely low dose of two different antidepressants. Um, Mm -hmm. 
because they work on my serotonin and antihistamine receptors. Mm -hmm. And there's been studies that they actually like rewire your sleep cycle. And so now I spend more time in REM and I have like really crazy long dreams. Oh, that's Uh, fun. So I've been sleeping for like eight or nine months now which is incredible. I still like fear that it's going to stop at any moment. And then the other thing that's crazy is that I started literally me taking these drugs coincides with week one of quarantine. (laughs) So I also like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just like a weird thing, right? Like in this weird way, quarantine has been okay for me because I've been sleeping and like, I sort of wonder how I would be coping otherwise. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's been, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's I, a triumph, though. That is, yeah. I mean, I knew you were doing better, but I didn't know the oh, full story. Oh, my God. It's been, it's been so incredible. I can't even articulate it. Like, I was really, as I think li- longtime listeners know, like, I was really losing my mind. Like, I was yeah. losing my shit. And yeah, no, it's been incredible. So, if you also are not sleeping and have tried everything, uh, Get at me. I'm at Allie Gold on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at June Bugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail. Please do. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And please join our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P. There are a lot of listeners there, sometimes guests. We're there. So just come join us, have a casual conversation about the show or many, many other things. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Ali, if they would like to contribute, what do they do? Please, 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 please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. If you've been listening for a long time, you know, even if you just contribute a dollar a month, uh, it really helps us out and we appreciate it so much. So thank you. And thank you to everyone who has already visited patreon.com slash 2G1P. Hey, everybody, stay healthy. We'll see you next week. been following me on my daily walks.